Everybody doing? Doing good? So I got to say, had an awesome Thanksgiving break. Saw a great movie. Won't spoil it for you guys. Saw Creed 2. It was awesome. So the title of today's message is Fight. Uh, before I saw the movie, I was inspired by a uh, poem that actually Patty Joe read uh, after the singles led service. And the poem was about fighting. And just, you know, the, this idea of life is a fight sometimes. And so today I wanted to preach about that, talk about just the fight. You know, hopefully at Thanksgiving you guys didn't get any fights with each other. I know, you know, holidays can be rough sometimes. Uh, but we can still fight through that to be righteous, right? So m- movies that we love, we love because there's a great struggle or a great fight, right? We got Gladiator. He, you know, he was fighting for freedom. Yeah, I know. Toy Story, what's that fight, right? All right, we'll get there. You know, Creed is, a, is an underdog fight. Uh, Back to the Future, a fight against time, you know. Titanic, the fight for love. Star Wars, fight for the galaxy. And we have Toy Story, a fight for friendship. One of the noblest fights that there can be. So today we're going to talk about fighting, and we're going to look at uh, Paul, who he was a fighter. And, um, you know, last time I was up here, I I talked a lot about Peter and and the gospel and how that manifested itself uh, through the life of Peter. I want to talk a little bit about Paul. Paul wrote a lot in the Bible. So we're going to have to kind of hone in our, our, our focus on 2 Corinthians is where we're going to look. But a little bit of background about Paul is that he was a Pharisee, he was zealous, and he even, he even says he was faultless as far as uh, obedience to the law is concerned. Uh, he was a persecutor of the church. So it actually says in Acts 8.3 that, But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So before Paul was Paul, you know, and he was known as Saul, he was actually persecuting the church, dragging people off into jail. Um, he approved the killing of Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr. It says that he was there um, watching it as it all happened, giving his approval. And he had this incredible uh, conversion experience in Acts chapter 9 where there's a huge light. He was blinded. Uh, Jesus says to Paul, Paul, why are you, or Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, um, and he had this amazing experience where he began to uh, develop his relationship with Christ and become known as the Paul that we all know today. And he wrote a lot to us, which is awesome, about how he experienced his relationship with, with Jesus, which was unique in a sense that a lot of the information given to him was by personal revelation from Christ. And he talks to us so that we don't have to, you know, rely on personal revelation. We can read what he wrote to know the revelations that God gave him. And uh, he goes on to be this incredible um, conqueror in the faith, right, a fighter. He makes three missionary trips. He's later put on house arrest, and he actually ends up dying for his faith. He was later martyred. And so we're going to look at just Paul and the fighter that he is through the lens of uh, his relationship with the Corinthian church. So Paul's relationship with the Corinthian church uh, was very complicated. And the first point is fight to answer the call. So the Corinthian church, if you, I don't know, if you remember from 1 Corinthians, it was, it was awful. It was like a disaster. They had lowered the standard so much. There was immorality all over the place. There was sin running rampant. And, and it, it affected Paul deeply, so deeply, in fact, that in 2 Corinthians, you see it's almost... It's almost like autobiographical, and you can see some of the emotions of Paul begin to spill out 
through this fight, through this struggle to live out his purpose. And in, um, and, and in terms of answering the call, Paul understood his call. So we all have to also understand our call. Let's look at the call to Paul. In Acts chapter 8, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 9, verse 15 to 16, this was Paul's calling. It says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man, referring to Paul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. That's a, that's a high calling that he had. He was called to be a light to the Gentiles, and he was a Pharisee. He was Jewish. So something he doesn't know all that much about, he's now called. You're gonna, it, would be, it would make sense if you're going to be a light to the Pharisees, or you're going to be a light to the Jews, right? But he said, no, you're going to be a light to the Gentiles. Something that you really don't have as nearly as much familiarity with as you do uh, with Judaism. And also talks about that a part of this calling is going to involve some suffering. And Paul lived out this calling. He lived up to the calling. He, he fought in his life to answer that call. He labored for this and he fought to answer this calling. And I want to show you a little bit about this struggle that you can see with Paul in the Corinthian church. So in 2 Corinthians Chapter 12, uh, verse 14 and 19. It's a little bit small on the screen, so you can turn there in, the, in, your, in your Bibles if you like. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 and 19. It says, Now I am ready to visit you for the third time, and I will not be a burden to you, because what I want is not your possessions but you. After all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So I will very gladly spend for you everything I have and expend myself as well. If I love you more, will you love me less? Be that as it may, I have not been a burden to you. Yet, crafty fellow that I am, I caught you by trickery. Did I exploit you through any of the men I sent to you? I urged Titus to go to you, and I sent our brother with him. Titus did not exploit you, did he? Did we not walk in the same footsteps by the same spirit? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ. And everything we do, dear friends... Is for your strengthening. So, I think if this wasn't in letter form, this would have been a fight. Like, this would have been an argument. Right? Because he's saying, you know, crafty fellow that I am, you know, uh, trickery. So, he's using their language against them because those are the accusations uh, of things they're saying about Paul. They're saying, yeah, you're trickery. You tried to trick us. Or you're crafty. Right. And so he's he's using this against them. And if you were there listening to this, you might feel kind of offended. Oh, whoa, those are shots you're taking there, Paul. And you might be inclined to even argue back. What do you mean? What? Like you're, you're putting words in my mouth, whatever you might say in that moment. But he, you see that it's a struggle and it was a fight for him to win the love and affection of this church. And he goes on to say, like, I've opened up my heart to you guys. I've expended myself for you guys. If I love you more, will you love me less? Be that as it may, I have not been a burden. He, he made every attempt and every effort possible to show them their love. And then he ends it with, everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening. So Paul had to fight to live out this calling. It didn't come easy to live out the calling. And he didn't want to give up on the Corinthian church. You know, it even says in the beginning, you know, I'm going to visit you a third time. I'm sure after the first time, first like little hang time with the Corinthian church, I think he was like, you know what? It would have been easy for him to give up at that point and say, you know what? I had enough. And I know we've all had conversations like that, right? And interactions. You have that one 
you know, rough interaction, you're like, all right, I don't even know. But then to go back a second time, to go back a third time and make things right. That was, Paul understood his calling in the situation. And it kept it clear purpose in his mind. He was willing to spend everything he had. He had a mission in life. He had a life's work. And that was to be a light to the Gentiles. Do we have a mission in life, church? Do you have a personal mission in life? Do you have an understanding of what your life's work is? I was really inspired. I'm not a, I'm not a huge um, Marvel fan, to be honest with you. But I can say I'm a fan of his. I'm a huge fan. I, I like Marvel. I watch it. I'm just not a... I know you guys are going to fact check me on everything I say about Marvel. But um, just know that I didn't follow it as closely as some. But I'm a fan of Stan Lee. And after his passing, I, I, I read a lot more about him. And I wanted to learn because I had picked up bits and pieces of, of, about him and different things. And I wanted to know a little bit more. And I think he had an understanding of uh, his calling in life. And um, he was about to actually give up his comic book career by the end of the 1950s. So that would have, he would have been 34 or 35 years old at that time. So, th- so him and his wife are having a conversation. And his wife says, you know, since you're thinking about quitting anyway, why not just finally write the stories that you would want to read? Because for so long he had been trying to pander to what does the crowd want, what does the audience want. And so finally, you know, his wife says, just, just go for it. Just write the stories you would want to read. And so he heard this as a calling, right? He's like, yeah, I'm just going to go for it. Because he was planning on leaving. And his real work at that moment began. And so, you know, he's 34, 35. He had been in this business his whole life. And for this to be the first time he heard this call is interesting, right? Sometimes it doesn't come early. Sometimes it comes later. But the calling will come. And this led to the Marvel Revolution, right? Out of, out of that conversation, and he finally started you know, developing the characters that he would want to read about came Fantastic Four, Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, X-Men. And he was so popular. I believe he was so popular because this is what he believed in one of his soapboxes. He says, a story without a message is like a man without a soul. And I believe that he, he had soul in all of his stories. You know, he wrote about characters. He showed their weaknesses. He showed their flaws, which was so uh, unique for comic books at the time. And he talked a lot about just all the shortcomings of his character. He also took so many risks. And that's, I think, what I respect about him the most. And I think you can look no further than the character uh, Black Panther. You know, this was an African hero who was smarter, wealthier, and more technologically advanced than any other in, in the comic books in an era of the golden age of comic books. You know, that's a risk even today, some would say, unfortunately. But do you know when Black Panther, when he created that character, do you know what year that was? 1966, the height of the civil rights movement is when he made the Black Panther character. That is a man who understood his calling, and he was willing to suffer. He was willing to take the risks to live out that calling. What are you fighting for? What's your life's work? What are you called to do, and are you living it? Are you living it out? And as Christians, we have a calling. And we're given a lot of creative liberties to figure out how to accomplish this. But the calling is the same. And we can find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of my salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This is the call is for us to know God, to be reconciled to God. He's saying, I implore you, be reconciled to God. And it's be an ambassador to others. Right. So it's to know God and to make God known to other people. That's the call. Now, here's what's awesome is that we can be imaginative, we can be creative, we can be unique in the way we go about living out that calling as far as an ambassador of Christ. There's so many ways that we can make God's name known. But the calling is still the same for us to know God and to make God known. You know, it could be, it could be comic books, YouTube, social media, theater, music, books, evangelism, conversation, public debates, teaching opportunities, speaking opportunities, Community service, visiting hospitals, jails, serving abroad, serving here. There's so many amazing, unique ways to be an ambassador of Christ. And God has given us our imaginations. He's given us his ability to think, how do I want to go about accomplishing this? And so it's up to us to figure out what is the calling. I know that's a hard thing to figure out, and, and sometimes that's a cloudy concept. Being an ambassador shouldn't be. Knowing God is not cloudy. That's very clear. But how we go about living that out as an individual could vary from person to person. I would encourage us uh, to take some serious time to fast, pray, and read and think about God. Like, you know, what is my calling? What is my purpose? How do you want me to accomplish this? Try different things. Use your talents where you are. That's a, that's a great place to figure out how, how can I engage in this? You know, a lot of times it's something you get lost in. It's something that's scary and exciting. And it's something that will bring suffering as well because you'll take chances. It's things that are like always on your heart and mind. And oftentimes you will see results. You'll see, you'll see an impact. Biggest encouragement is just to start where you are now. You're in this church. You're in your family group. You're in a Bible study, a Bible talk, whatever the case may be for a reason. God has you where you are for a reason. And it's easy to say, you know what, I don't like where I'm at. I don't like this reason. I don't like God. What are you doing? But we really got to ask, how can I add value to where I am? How can I live out the calling where I currently am instead of complaining about where I currently am? And I know that's a temptation. It's a temptation for all of us to say, oh, if I was here or there, things would be better. But where we are, we are for a reason. God has a purpose in it, even if there's suffering. That you feel that you're going through. And that's my next point. is just to fight through suffering. This is a tough one. And as, as I have been fighting myself to live out the calling, uh, to find ways to be an ambassador, to live as a disciple, and I'm open with others, you know, about my turmoil, my inner struggle, traumas from past, fear of trauma in the future. Um, you know, we're about to have a baby. I'm, I'm an overthinker. By nature. And so naturally my mind's like everything that could go wrong will go wrong. Uh, let's put barriers around everything. Let's be safe as possible. And, uh, you know, I, a lot of fear about the future. And in my suffering and in, in talking to other people, not just about, you know, being a dad, but just about even things uh, that, that, that I go through in my mind on a regular basis, I learned something that we all suffer. We all have a trauma. 
We all have an issue. We all have something that we're struggling with. We all go through a period of suffering in our lives, either in the past, present, or future. And so did Paul. And he teaches us a lot, and so does Jesus, about how to fight through suffering. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, it says, For when we came to Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflict on the outside, fear within. So he had the double whammy, right? The inner turmoil, and there was also outer conflict. Some of us get one or the other. You know, a lot of times I can bank on having inner turmoil a lot, but I can still be blessed. Like, God is still helping me in my life. But right now, Paul was dealing with um, things going on around him that weren't positive. You know, like, let's say, a circumstantial thing, loss of a job or, or, or discouragement in life, uh, family members, things like that. But he also had just fear that he was dealing with, you know. And it talks about these fears within, something we deal with. I think how we respond to loss, suffering, struggling, it says a lot about us. It says a lot about who we are. And it's, it's worth trying to suffer in a dignified way. Some of the, the biggest lessons that I've ever learned in my life have been through, um, well, prior to being a Christian, were in wrestling. That's where I got a lot of my um, teachings. And I had these two crazy wrestling coaches. And this was a time where wrestling coaches could be crazy without being worried about being fired. Um, you know, nowadays they'll get fired very quickly. Uh, but my wrestling coaches were crazy, but they did teach me a lot. And I want to, I want to share two things that they taught me with you guys. And one was, I I just lost a match uh, and I hated losing and I was a decent, you know, wrestler. So losing, I was not comfortable with. And I, I get off the mat, I rip my headgear off and I just chuck it across the mat. And I'm going to my coach. I'm thinking he's going to be mad with me. And he gets in my face. And he says, if you ever lose like that again, I'm going to wrestle you outside in the parking lot. I was like, oh, my gosh, that is intense. But I never forgot it. He was teaching me that how you lose matters. How you suffer matters. You can't just throw a fit and fall into this trap of being mad at everybody around you when you lose. And that's a lesson I learned that. I learned another lesson in a state tournament, you know, the big, big tournament and I was down 5 nothing in the first period. I ended up coming back, tied it up 11-11, and I ended up losing in the final seconds of the match. My, my mo- it was the most heartbreaking loss in my wrestling career. And um, so I'm coming off the mat, and I'm like, these guys are going to be really mad at me. And I remember one of my coaches, he comes up to me, and he says, you went for it. No regrets. I was like, Wow. And that sticks with me today. You know, I would always think about the loss, and I finally started thinking more about, that's true. If you go for it, win or lose, you can say you went for it, right? And so those are two amazing lessons that I learned in, my, in loss that I couldn't have learned in win, in a win, in a victory. So I want to I read a little bit about Paul's suffering and his mentality. So once again, I know it's a little bit here, but stick with me. 2 Corinthians 6, 3 through 13. This is amazing. This scripture is incredible, What we're about to read, just look at the way he pieces this all together. In verse 3, it says, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as a servant of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory, 
and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine, yet regarded as imposters, known, yet regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as children, open wide your hearts. This is crazy because amidst his suffering, he found great meaning in it. He found great purpose in it. And he says, you know, known, we're known, but, we're, but by you we're regarded as unknown. We're genuine, yet some of you call us imposters. We're beaten by persecutors and people around us, and yet not killed. We're sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. That mentality about suffering is something I admire. And I want to strive to have amidst my suffering whenever I deal with it. It's such an amazing thing. And I I do believe our greatest spiritual moments will be through suffering. The heights of our spiritual walks will be what we learn when we're going through a hard time. Um, There was a novelist, um, psychiatrist, philosopher. His name is, is Fyodor Dostoevsky. He said, there is only one thing I dread not to be worthy of my suffering. And what does it mean to be worthy of your suffering? It's to, it's to go about suffering, uh, maintaining your courage, keeping your integrity, keeping your honor, keeping your Christ-likeness through suffering. And it's, it's incredible because when you look at Jesus in his final moments, what did he do in his suffering? He washed his disciples' feet. He served others in the hardest moments of his life. He called Judas his best friend, the one that was going to betray him, he calls him friend. He healed the guard whose ear Peter had cut off. He begged God to forgive his murderers even while on the cross. That is someone, that is a man who is worthy of his sufferings. And he went about it in a dignified way. And I want to encourage everybody here never to give up amidst suffering. Never to give up. That's the only real way to lose. Comfort from God will come and comfort from others will come. Lastly, fight to remember why. So in this calling, we're trying, to, we're trying to live out this call to be disciples. We're trying to live out this call to be ambassadors. And however that manifests itself personally in our lives. It's important to fight to remember the why. Why we do it. Why we go through it. The biggest questions for me about Paul are how did Paul... Reconcile. And what I wanted to learn about him as I read his letters is how did he reconcile his past with what he now knew about Christ? How did he feel knowing that, that he was there when a follower of Christ was killed? How did he feel knowing that his life was going to be one of suffering even before the suffering began? Can you imagine what may have filled his mind when he wasn't close to Christ? I imagine, I wonder if he thought about the face of Stephen as Stephen was being stoned to death. I wonder if he thought about specific individuals who he had, dra- who had taken out of their homes off the prison and how he destroyed families as he did that. How he had wasted the majority of his life learning um, things that, are no, that weren't as meaningful as he had been enlightened to now in his life. I wonder if he would think about the fact that Jesus himself told him that he was going to suffer. Did he think every day wondering what type of suffering he would go through next? Where was the salvation for Paul from regret about his past, 
salvation from fear and anxiety about his future? Shouldn't his regrets, and this is what I think about as I think about Paul, shouldn't his regrets have weighed him down? Shouldn't his anxieties have made him ineffective? And I think this is where Paul teaches us something. And it's a teaching he got from Christ. And it's how we can keep moving forward. How we can keep fighting. is knowing our why. And here's Paul's why. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. His why was Christ's love. That's what kept him going every single day. Being able to deal with all of this hardship and suffering and good times and bad, especially with this Corinthian church, he remembered why. And it kept him in the fight from giving up. He remembered the love, the grace of Christ. That, that was his reason why. And I want to encourage all, all of us to hear to stay confident. Stay strong. What is killing your reason why? What's taking away from your reason why? What are the taunts of Goliath in your life? What are the fears taking your confidence away? Keep fighting to remember why. I think it's an interesting thing psychologically, and I don't know if you hear about baseball pitchers when they get the yips. Has anybody ever heard of that? It's basically where they're not able to really pitch anymore with confidence. Their confidence is like taken away from them. And I, I was just thinking about this the other day. I think it has a lot to do with why. Because if you know why you're throwing the ball, like if you have a family to feed, or if you, even in fighting, if you know why you're fighting, you know, like Evander Holyfield had like 10 kids. He, he, was, he was fighting to feed them. You know, you, you fight. You don't, it's like you don't have time to think about the yips and what could go wrong. It's like I'm fighting for a reason that's greater than my anxiety, that's greater than my fear. And so remembering Christ and his love, it keeps us confident. It keeps us fighting. You know, to me, I've, I've taken a new look at Goliath, David and Goliath a little bit. Um, I was listening to something recently, and it just got me thinking about the fight between David and Goliath. And as I was thinking about it and listening to this, it, and I just thought, no, Goliath wasn't so bad, honestly. I mean, he talked a big game, but he died rather easily, if you think about it, you know. And David had a sling. That would, and we think that's like, oh, that's like a child's toy, right? No, it's actually heavy artillery. He brought a sling, and Goliath had a spear. So essentially, he brought a gun, David did, to a knife fight, right? And that's what we can do when we know our why. When we know God's love, when we understand God's love, everything else is small. Everything else is not so tough. Our fears, the taunts of Satan, our anxieties, our regrets, they're not as strong and loud in our lives when we know how much Christ loves us. Our past is not that tough. Our future is not that tough. And our present suffering is not that tough compared to Christ's love for us. All you need, all we need, is to know how much God loves us. Understand his grace. It will destroy anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ. Embrace it, accept it, surrender to it. It is the truth. Wrapping this up, and I know there's times, I'm sure, where we can feel like I, I didn't live worthy of my suffering just then. Right? Like I blew it. I messed it up. And I know there's times where we can feel like my calling is confusing. It's cloudy. I don't really know what it is. I don't know if I'm really living it. 
And there are times where we can even forget our why. And in the fight game, there is always something after any loss that can restore, your, that can restore you back to honor and glory. And that's the rematch. And I want to encourage you guys, because no matter what's happened, the, the losses you felt, the suffering you've gone through, there's a rematch coming. All right? So let's train for it. Let's prepare for it. Let's get our spiritual montages together. And let's, let's be ready for the rematch. Because there will come another opportunity. We want to be worthy of our suffering. And no matter how many fights you feel like you've lost, the only way to really lose is to give up. If you haven't given up, you're still in the fight. God is still proud of you. Let's keep fighting and keep moving forward. Thank you.